Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn over to Luke chapter 1, and this morning uh, we're going to look at the second, I've, I've done a couple of Christmas messages, and uh, well this will be the second one, uh, Christmas uh, praise was last week, and Christmas prayer is this week. Um, again, looking at what the shepherds did in the Christmas story, it gave us a pretty good framework, framework of what our praise should look like when we're praising God. And uh, again, they, they responded to this angel's pronouncement. They responded to seeing the Messiah. And it, again, gave us a really good idea of what someone meeting Jesus or going to meet Jesus, someone meeting Jesus, and then their life changing from that point forward. And again, what that prayer, uh, what that praise looks like. Um, as we look forward this week, we're going to look at Mary. <clears throat> Mary had a couple of praises slash prayers that I think are a very good example for us as far as what our prayers should look like. And so she has this prayerful response to the angel. She has a prayerful response uh, at her cousin's house. And again, I, I think that's important for us to look at. And somebody says, well, why should we look at Mary's prayer and why should that be important for us? Uh, I, I think uh, the, the, the vessel chosen by God to carry the Messiah in this, uh, on this earth uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a great example in so many different ways. Uh, one reason, in the days that Mary received the news that she was going to be carrying the Messiah, she was going to be dealing with a lot of personal issues uh, really quickly. Uh, again, remember, Joseph had a mind to put her away, the Bible says. But it wasn't just personal issues that Mary would be dealing with. It was also a national situation. There was a ruler that was kind of ruthless, and we would see that eventually come, in, come into place uh, in, in different ways. But Again, this was a, a lady that she wasn't uh, superhuman. This lady wasn't, um, uh, other, th other than just being a vessel chosen of God and, 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 a, and a woman, I believe, of great character, a woman of great faith, uh, she, was, she was someone, again, we can look at and say, you know what? She was real. She was facing some difficulties, and she had this prayerful response. Not only that, I think that's a good reason to look at her response, but the reality is for all of us today in 2018, 2018 we're all submitted to someone, someone or something. And uh, somebody said, well, I'm not submitted to anybody. I own my own business, I'm my own boss, or I, I'm not going to you know, listen to anybody. Uh, the, the truth is we are all submitted to someone or something. Amen. Note this, you're submitted to someone. That's not, that may not be a revelation to you, but you are submitted to someone. Now, that someone may be yourself, your own will. You say, well, that's not submitted to somebody. Yes, it is. You, you are under the influence of your own will, your own uh, directive. Most, most people, though, in, in this world submit to their boss. Not everybody. Most of the time when you don't submit to your boss, there's repercussions. You know, you don't have a job anymore. Uh, but most people submit to their boss. Many people or most people are submitted to the government and to laws. We know what happens when we're not submitted to the government and to laws. There's consequences. So when we think of this lady's life and we look at her prayer in such a crucial time in mankind's history, we can learn a lot from her prayers, I believe, because of her submission 
to the Lord and to his will for her life. And again, that should be a good framework for what it, it looks like in our life. Um, it's going to be to the one that was in control of her life. That's where her submission is going to be found. And that's what we'll see, trusting his will. Uh, going to God in prayer, submitting to God is also not just this, this acknowledging God or talking to God. It's also trusting his goodness and his judgment, even over our own desires. Last year, we looked at uh, Mary's response to this and her character. We looked at what she did and how she responded, all those different ways, not just the prayerful response, but, but what she did in her life. And we, we thought about all the human elements of her life during this time. Right? She had never known a man. Uh, she had never had a child. She had dealt with all of these things, and we saw how she dealt with them in a godly way. Uh, and so, again, trusting him, trusting his will, trusting his goodness and his judgment. But just as it was for Mary, I believe it is for you and I today. To trust God's judgment, to trust God's goodness, even with the bad and the ugly circumstances all around us. That, that can be such a difficult thing to, to, to think what, you know, we, we go through something bad, we, we face a difficult circumstance many times, and we think, what have I done wrong? And we, we turn to God and we, we ask him sometimes questions like that. What have I done wrong? Where have I messed up? And, and sometimes it's just the result of the world that we live in. And if we look at Mary, what had she done wrong? You know, all of the criticism, all of the things that no doubt she would endure, the answer would be Mary... You've been chosen of God to be used of God, and, and now you're dealing with all this stuff. But I want to pray this morning, and I want to hopefully learn a little bit of something uh, about her prayer, and again, how it can be a, a help, an encouragement, a framework for our prayer today. So let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for, again, being our God. Thank you for being so loving that you would send your son uh, the greatest gift of all. Uh, to die in our place, Lord, as we look this morning to your word and we see, uh, again, this vessel that you chose so long ago, even before the foundation of the world, uh, chose Mary to be that vessel uh, to bring forth your son into this world. Um, Lord, again, we know that she was a human. We know that she was a sinner and she was in need of salvation. Uh, but just a great example for us to learn from. And so I pray that you would do that this morning, work in our presence. I pray that you'd be glorified. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't have a true, sincere relationship with you by faith in Jesus Christ, uh, that they would, uh, just as Brother Tony was singing, that they would make sure they made room in their heart, that they would set everything aside and welcome you into their life, and uh, they would have eternal life. They would experience that great gift that only you can give. And so, Lord, just move this morning, be glorified, and we'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, and you'll have to pardon me because I've had this junk and this sign of stuff wanting to hang around for about three weeks myself, and so hopefully I don't cough in the microphone, but just pardon me if I do. Uh, Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to begin in verse 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Many of us know the Christmas story. Many of us are familiar with all of this uh, that we're going to cover, but, but stay with me and, and, and listen to this uh, maybe with fresh ears. And the angel came into, in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, 
And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Now, again, he, he tells her, look, God's with you. You're favored among all women. Uh, and, and, and God is, 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 is blessing you. He's got something for you. But she was troubled at this. Again, we talked about this last year, how this could be very indicative of her humbled state. We'll say, we'll say something about that a little bit later. But she's, she's this humble person, this unassuming lady who is just a servant of God. And, and that's what God was looking for. That's what God was choosing to use. And so she, said, she was troubled at this thing. And she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Why would an angel be coming to say that I'm favored among women, that I'm blessed, that, that God has something for me? Why, why is this happening? The angel answered the question. You don't need to be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid because you've found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and thou shalt, and shalt call his name Jesus, which means God saves. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and, shall, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, how is this possible? How is this going to come to be? How, how is this even going to happen? Because I don't even know a man. I've never known a man. So her, in her mind, in her human mind, that's what she was, she was struggling with. I hear what you're saying. I hear that, you, that I'm favored. I hear that God has something for me, that I'm going to have this, this, this child and he's going to be the Messiah because Mary knew what the angel was declaring to her, but she had no idea how this was going to happen. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost is going to come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, you need to, you need to look at Elizabeth. She's also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Because with God, nothing shall be impossible. So again, Mary's mind has been blown. She's like, I don't even know how, you, how this is going to happen. You're telling all these things that, that God is, is going to do in my life, but I have no idea how it's going to happen. And then the angel says, look, you need to go look at Elizabeth because she's been barren, as you know, her whole life. But now she's six months pregnant. And you've got to know, Mary, that there's nothing impossible with God. And so again, this, this lady who is a humbled, submitted vessel to God is hearing these impossible things in her ears, and she could have had a certain response. She could have said, you know what? I don't like this. This doesn't sound very good. I mean, again, like we talked about last year, uh, people are going to make fun of me. People are going to criticize me. People are going to, uh, to talk bad about me. They're going to assume certain things. Uh, this is crazy. I mean, I'll go look at Elizabeth, but, but I, I, she's got a husband. I'm not married yet. How, this, this is not something that makes a lot of sense. And the, again, the angel, the messenger of God, confirms to her, look, you're thinking on human terms. You're dealing with a human's understanding. But I'm telling you what God's going to do. I'm telling you what God has said for your life. And that's many times where we miss the mark, even in our prayer life. Because we're going to see what Mary says next. And her response is based off of that last assurance from the angel. Not, all the prom not only all the promises that he just said that, that God has, is going to do, that he's doing in Elizabeth's life, but this statement that with God, all things are possible, that nothing is impossible. Many times, again, I think that we take our prayers, we take our requests, we take our assumptions, we take our, our worries, our fears, we take all those things to God in prayer, 
sometimes forgetting what Mary just was assured of. Now, we can say it with, with words. We can put it on, on social media. We can top that verse out, and we can, we can share it. And we can, for with God, all th- nothing is impossible. We can do all those things, but when it comes down to brass tacks, when it comes down to the rubber meeting the road, when it comes down to the circumstances and everything around us possibly falling apart or seemingly falling apart, it's either that we're going to stand on that truth or we're going to offer up these weak, empty prayers and move forward in a weak and empty way. Mary, Mary could have done that. She could have very well said, I hear that you're saying with God nothing's impossible. But what you're saying is impossible. It takes two. It takes a man and a woman. It takes, you know, the natural way of things. Again, Elizabeth and, 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 and Zechariah, they, they, yes, but me, no. So how does she respond? What is her prayerful response to the potential problems as well as the potential blessings, to the circumstances surrounding her, to the national problems that was, that was already existing? What's her response? In verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, and let it be done to me according to your word. Be it unto me according to thy word. That, that's, a, that's, again, we've heard that. That's been preached before. We talked about it last year. But that right there is a phenomenal statement. Given all the circumstances, given what she was just told that God's going to do, she could have responded differently, but she didn't. As I believe, an already submitted vessel, an already faith-driven woman of God, already knowing what, the, what it meant about the Messiah, knowing what Gabriel was telling her, knowing all these things, when her response is this, to me, is just another indication of the right prayer life that she had. She said, okay, I trust God. So let it be done to me, just as you said. Again, you got to remember that she was submitting to God's word. Gabriel was the messenger from God. This was God's word. So she is submitting to the word of God over her life. The Bible says the angel departed from her. And then look at verse 39. And Mary, and Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste. This can be something that doesn't seem like a big deal, right? I mean, as soon as she has this encounter with the angel, she's got a lot to get ready for. She's got a lot of, uh, of conversations that she's got to have in her head with people ahead of time to be able to try to explain. She's got a lot of stuff to do for herself. Versus what God has told her to do. Well, what did God tell her to do? He told her to go look at Elizabeth, right? That's what he told her. Go, go look at Elizabeth. Behold Elizabeth, your cousins. She's six months pregnant. Go look at her. Behold, he said. So Mary, again, as another indication of her submitted life to God, obedience to God in her life, she arose and went to the hill country with haste, obeying the word of God to go look at her cousin Elizabeth. She entered into the house, Zacharias and, and, and Elizabeth, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Who told, who told Elizabeth this? And whence, the, uh, and whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord, this is Elizabeth talking, should come to me? Why are you here? That the mother of the Lord, 
For as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believeth. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth, a woman of faith, a a, a woman submitted to God, trusting in God, another woman there. But look now, again, Mary's been obedient. She had a prayerful response. And as soon as she sees what God told her was true, Elizabeth was pregnant. Mary responds in a prayerful way again. Look at what she does. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Not in my circumstances, not in the stuff that I have, not in the goodness of my life, but my spirit's rejoiced in God, my Savior. Because he's regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, that humble state, that humble place in my life. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She realized that she wasn't worthy. She realized that she was nothing, that God chose her because she had humbled her life before the Lord. For he he that is mighty hath done great things to me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Again, that's the mercy Mary had experienced because she had fear of God. She had reverence of God. She had respect of God. She was submitted to God. And, it's, and, and, and scripture's true. Promises are true in the word of God. His mercies on them that fear him from generation to generation. Again, these are scriptures Mary's even recounting in this prayer or this song. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them that are of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent, uh, sent empty away. He has hope and he's helped to serve in Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever again. We look at what Mary is praying, and it's very clear that Mary is praying the word of God, in line with the word of God. She knows what God's word says. She's, she's known it. She's followed it. She's heard it. And when Gabriel even comes from God with God's word, Mary's response is, yes, Lord, I'm humbled before you. Yes, Lord, I know your word. And when she begins to pray out and praise the Lord, it's all in accordance with God's word, his promises already. All this is very important because we see these elements that we're going to look at this morning of Mary's prayerful response. And man, just as we saw with the shepherd's praise, I believe it's going to help us provide this framework for our prayer. So number one in your notes this morning is this, our prayer should be pointed. Our prayer, our prayer should be pointed. Back in verse 46, it wasn't a question of who Mary was talking to and talking about. When she began the song, when she began this prayer, uh, prayerful response to God's uh, promises and God's word, it was very clear who she was talking to. Verse 46, look at it again. My soul does magnify who? The Lord. My soul not magnifies that all nations will call me blessed from this point forward. All the stuff I may get, all the popularity that may come from this, all the, all the cool stuff, it wasn't that. She says, my soul exalts my Lord. That was her response. And so it tells us, even in our prayer life, again, very clearly our prayer should be pointed to the Lord. You say, well, of course, when we pray, who else are we praying to? Listen. When we are pointed at the Lord in our prayers, it means that we are submitted to him. Remember that thing about we're submitted to someone? 
When we go to God and we say, Father, that means that we are putting ourselves under His authority. So I don't think that you can be focused on Almighty God and not be bowed down in a humbled estate. See, when you are appointed at God, when you are, when you are focused on Him, and, and when we think about the word appointed, that, that's maybe a, 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 a good explanation of that word is focused. When you are focused solely on God, your life begins to bow down. You begin to become humbled in his presence. As Jesus would grow and he'd have earthly ministry, his disciples would come along and say, hey, after Jesus spent some time praying, they would say, hey, you're doing this thing, this prayer, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray, why don't you teach us to pray the right way? And so his instruction helps us a little bit more have this framework for what our initiation with our interaction with God should look like. In, verse, in Luke chapter 11, he says, it says, came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he stopped praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, you got to teach us to pray. Something's going on. You're doing this thing. It's important. You're doing it frequently. You're submitting to the Father. Teach us what this is about. John and his disciples do this. Teach us the right way. So he said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father, who art in heaven. Very clearly pointed, this is who I'm talking to, this is who I'm submitted to, our Father, who art in heaven. And then look at this first element, hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy, it's reverent, it's sacred, it's honored. Your name is above, again, this is all part of that, that pointedness, that focus on Almighty God uh, and, and bringing ourselves into this absolute submission, which leads into the next statement. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So again, we see with, with Mary's response, here's what God's word is, here's what God's will is. Her response is, my soul magnifies the Lord. You know, I mean, God, God I know your word and, 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 and my life is lifted up to you as, as it's bowed down before you. And then it goes on to talk about to be a complete reliance. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So again, we see from Jesus, the very first clear element is to call on the Father. I want to say that the reason why I think this is so important is because we are so easily distracted in our prayers. Aren't we? Let's just be honest. I'll admit it, right? Because you can start to pray, and what happens when your phone starts buzzing or starts ringing? By the way, I just, this is a little soapbox. Bear with me. Just remember when you come in here and we start to focus on God and worship, just slide that button to, to, to off. Slide it to, 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 to vibrate, because I know that we've had some, uh, some times where there's been a little bit of uh, humor in that, but I don't ever want to take away from what God wants to do in this place. And so just a reminder, we put it up on the screen. Please silence your cell phones. But just a reminder to that. I see people now, oh no, I forgot. You know? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, anyways, when we are so distracted in our prayers, uh, it can be something that can become a real problem. We know that distractions are real. Again, whether it's a phone, whether it's the television, whether it's you know, something else, a noise. The truth about our prayer is this. We need to enter into, into this time of interaction with the Father with a very clear focus. We are talking 
to the Father. We're talking to our Lord, our God, who sent his Son to die for our sins. We're talking to him. And so, as shotgun as our prayers are sometimes and as quick as we may try to rattle them off, we need to remember that we're talking to the Creator that loves us so much and that by His divine nature commands our absolute undivided attention and address. And so when we see that Mary, I mean, remember, Elizabeth and Zacharias were were in the house, right? Maybe some other people around. And whenever she responds to what's going on here, everything else disappears. And she immediately, my soul, magnifies the Lord. It begins to recall the word of God. That's so important because not only are distractions real, but our prayers, in our prayers, we can wander. We can, and I'm not talking about praying for various things as the Spirit, lead, Spirit leads, absolutely. You know, when I mean, you get down there and you say, well, I know I'm going to spend some time with God and, and I'm going to talk about, and I know for sure I want to pray about brother so-and-so who's dealing with cancer and sister so-and-so who's, who's struggling with her health, and, and I know that, that I got this neighbor that's lost, and, and I'm going to pray about those. And then you, so you start to pray about brother so-and-so with his cancer, and before you know it, you're praying about something else and, and other things, and the Spirit's just kind of leading you in your prayer. I'm not talking about that kind of wondering. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about not staying in the will of God in our prayers. I'm I'm talking about wandering away from the will of God according to Scripture. Because remember, as Mary was responding, she was beginning to recall the word of God, the promises of God. She was praying in a very pointed way to God, in a very focused way in God's will and his word. She wasn't straying from what God's will was. She wasn't straying from what God's word was but she was staying pointed. So again, you may pray, and you may start praying for your spouse, or you may start praying for your kids and have the intent to pray for something else, but the Holy Spirit may lead you to start praying for for this family or for this couple or for a a church service or or something like that. You may go a different direction. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about staying focused in the will and the word of God because that's where we often wander tragically. And I believe this happens many times in our prayers because we don't know what or how to pray according to God's word and God's will because of a lack of biblical knowledge. And that's not a, I'm not trying to say that in a, in a condescending way, like I, I'm better, that's not at all where I'm coming from. But I'm saying we do that at times because we, we, we are humans and we have flesh and we have feelings and we have emotions and, and the circumstances around us can, can weigh on our hearts and weigh on our minds and, and begin to influence the things that we begin to talk to God. And so if we're not rooted and grounded in the, in the faith and we're not, we're not built up in the word of God, we can start praying and talking very pointedly to God but begin to stray off of what his will is, away from what his word says. We can pray sometimes demandingly. Sometimes for something that we have convinced ourselves that it's God's will for. Let me say that again. We can pray sometimes demandingly for something that we have convinced ourselves that it's God's will for. But it might not be necessarily God's will. 
and specifically because it's not supported in Scripture. We, we say, well, I just believe that God wants me to do this, and I've been praying for this. And I've had conversations like that and said, well, I just don't, I don't find any biblical support for that. And the Bible says this for this. Well, I know, but I just feel in my heart this is what God wants me to do. And it's almost like you feel helpless because that's the reality. We can convince ourselves God wants me to do this. And I begin to pray like this because I want this. And I feel it's right. And it's a really good thing. But it's not lined up. It's not pointed at the will of God and the word of God. For example, somebody says, I have a good job opportunity. It means more money. And finally, my family is going to be a little bit less stressed financially. But, and there we go. But what? Well, it's going to maybe be a little less time for the things of God. I won't be able to be here. I won't be able to do this. Won't be, you know, it's going to pull me. A relationship. Maybe it's, maybe it's more of a desire for the relationship than it is for God himself. A situation that we want to go this way because we want it to go this way. But it's not going that way because maybe God wants to grow us or use us in that situation. So I don't like that. I don't like how it's making me feel. I don't like these circumstances. I don't, how can that be God's will? I, I, I don't know. I, I, would, I would say maybe one day we can ask Job. Maybe one day we can ask Paul. Maybe one day we can ask other people who have, who have determined to follow God's will yet not lived an amazing, lovely life in this temporal world. Somebody say, man, I don't like that. Why is this Christmas? No, this is not a Christmas. It's supposed to be a gift today. <laughs> Our prayers should be focused. Our prayers should be pointed at the, the will of God and the word of God. We need to have focus on our prayer, focus on his will. Again, her prayer was focused on the Lord. Her prayer was focused on God's word, his will. But number two, her prayer was also praising. And so our prayer should be praising. Our prayer should be full of praise. She said, my soul doth magnify it magnifies, it exalts, it, 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 it exalts, the, the, it glorifies the name of the Lord. It was full of praise. Again, as I said earlier, this is important because of the circumstances and the difficulties surrounding her. Not only the immediate circumstances that would come. Remember what J we said this already. Joseph would say, hey, I've got a mind to put you away. I, I, you're pregnant? What? You know, it took the angel of the Lord to come and, and, and calm Joseph down. <laughs> Our immediate circumstances, what does this do for my family? What does this do for my name? What does this do for my future family? What does this do? I mean, I'm going to be an outcast. We're going to be an outcast. All of those things that she had to deal with on top of, as I said, the national problems of Rome dominating uh, Israel at this point in time and, and telling Israel what they could be. Again, while well, this was an amazing honor for Mary to carry, this was also a huge risk in man's eyes. For her to say yes, Lord, and for her to praise God for this. And then creating a little bit of a personal catastrophe, if you will. No doubt in her life there would be scoffers. No doubt in her life there would be accusations. No doubt there would be difficulties. Even where it came down to where she would have the baby Jesus in an animal stall. Right? So again, with all the things that this would entail, all the blessings, Mary would face great trials. 
So I think that this is a great example of even in our lives when we don't think that things could get any worse. My life is over. Our, our, our family will be ridiculed. All these things we need to remember as Mary did. What, what do you think that she could have remembered in that moment about all the problems, the potential problems? What is it that, that maybe kept her praising the Father in the, that moment of, uh, of distress? What about this? What about that? Joseph doesn't want to be with me anymore. What, what, what do you think was, was enabling her to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. I'm praising God. What was it that, that what possibly was it that kept her in that state of praise? I want to suggest this morning that it was the fact that she had the Savior of all mankind in her. And you say, well, how does that relate to us? Did you hear what I said? She had the Savior of all mankind inside of her. So how could she praise? How could she magnify God? How could she do with all of the problems and all the issues and, and all of the rejections and all of the, the words and all of the loneliness and all of the, the, the stress and the, uh, all those things? How could she still magnify the Lord? Again, I believe one reason is because she knew she had the Savior inside her. You and I may not be carrying the physical, fleshly baby of Jesus inside of us. But the Bible tells us when we trust Jesus as our Savior, when we turn from our sin and we turn to Him, trusting His death on the cross, believing He rose from the dead, trusting all of that, the Bible says that He makes His abode with us. I love the scriptures that tell us these things. I'm going to read a few. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. Even the mystery has been hid from the ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to the saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, the, the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Christ in the Gentiles, but Christ literally in them as well. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you're not in the flesh. He's talking to believers. But you're in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man, listen, have not the spirit of Christ... He, none of his. But look at verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body's dead because of, sin, because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Test your own selves. Know ye, know ye not your own selves how that Christ, Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, a very popular scripture. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not me that's living anymore, but it's Christ living in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And finally, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. So as believers, if for no other reason in our lives no other circumstance, no other blessing. Our prayer should be full of praise. Why? Because Christ is in us. Because he is living in us. He is in our lives. Regardless of the trial, regardless of what the forecast seems to be in your life, what well, doesn't look very good, Brother Kyle, doesn't look like things are going to get better in my life right now. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of how things seem, you can praise God in your prayers. 
You can praise him this Christmas season. You say, this Christmas season is very difficult for me and my family. Listen, you can still praise him if it's very difficult. Because Christ is in you. So her prayer was focused. It was pointed at God. It was pointed at the word of God, the will of God. Her prayer was full of praise for the great honor, the great blessing from God. And I believe her prayer was one of many prayers that she prayed. Based off the nature of her response and the frequency that we see just in these verses here, I believe that it shows us, number three, our prayer should be persistent. Our prayer should be persistent. Verse 38 and 46, we see those prayers, but it tells us that she makes haste, that it was in those days. It wasn't in those months, and I know that the, there's a description there that can encompass months, uh, but it was in those days. It wasn't in those months. It wasn't in this month. It wasn't in the first. It was in those days. So I believe that Mary turned around and responded in prayer right after she had responded to the angel in prayer. I believe her prayers shows that it was full of faith, it was steadfast, it was faithful, it was constant. Again, that response to Gabriel, God's word from the messenger of God, verse 38, shortly followed by verse 46. I believe all of this shows that this was a part of Mary's life. It was a regular part of her life. Talking to God, relating to God, interacting with God. I believe this shows us in these short verses, this is who she was. A chosen vessel, a, a lowly, humbled vessel. She says that. The Bible says that. She is clearly submitted to God. Humbled in her heart and her life. Another reason I believe that this was a part of Mary's life, that it was, it was part of a persistent prayer life. Notice that when Mary began to pray, she wasn't searching for what to say. She wasn't like, okay, who do I talk to now? Um, okay, uh, this is good. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to down, you don't have to be eloquent in your, in your prayers. You don't have to have great theological words. I'm not saying that at all. But when Mary responded in prayer, she talked to God. She, she again, believed this was evidence that she was persistent in her prayer life. I believe it was patterned. And again, a sign of a faithful prayer life, faithful interaction with God. Jesus would teach this type of interaction in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. It says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. This verse, among other things, gives us a pattern of persistence in prayer. Sometimes we, I think, gumball machine God with our prayers, right? What do you mean, gumball machine? Uh, we used to go to, um, uh, we haven't been there a long time, El Paseo. And they had this gumball machine right there at the, pay, the, the, the register and multicolored gumballs. And the girls would always ask, can we get, you know, a gum? No, you're not getting a gum. <laughs> that was most of, most of our answer most of the time, right, Avery? Yeah. Uh, every now and then they'd get one. But it was the same thing every time. They'd put the coin in and they would have a preference on what the color of gumball was, Right? And if they would say, I hope I get whatever, white. I hope I get blue. But if I don't get white, I hope I get this. Or if I don't get blue, I hope I, I do that. And again, I think sometimes that's what we do. We begin to pray to God and thinking, you know what? I'll take this. This is what I want, God, but this is what I'll take as a close second or close third. Kind of almost like a shot in the dark. 
right? Kind of like, she's going to put it in. All right, hope this works, you know. But I believe when our prayers are rightly focused, focused on the will of God and the word of God, when our prayers are full of praise, it doesn't look like that at all. I believe that when we have this persistent prayer life, when we pray to our God, we're in communication with him. And it's a two-way communication. He's talking to us through his word. The spirit is teaching us through his word. And we have this peace that only comes from God through that. We have this joy that only comes from God. And it floods our lives, even in the midst of great turmoil. We have this interaction with God. So when we pray in this regular interaction with God, it's not like throwing a, a quarter in the gumball machine and saying, well, God, I, I, hope that, I really want the white one. God, I really want the blue. I, I really want you to work like this in my life. But if you don't work like this, I want now if you're praying like that and it's according to God's word and in God's will, then you have to know you can pray expectantly. You can pray expecting God to answer. See, when you pray God's word and pray according to God's will based off his word, when you pray with a right heart without sin hindering that, the Bible says the Lord won't hear if I regard sin in my heart, without sin uh, hindering that, with praise filling our hearts, with thanksgiving coming to God, with his heart that's submitted to God, a heart submitted to him, then when we pray that prayer, God, I want you to save my neighbor. Use me any way you can to reach them. You say in your word that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. You even said from the time that the, the angel pronounced to the angels, uh, to the shepherds on the hillside, it was good news for all men. God, you said that, that you would have all men to be saved. God, I want my neighbor to be saved. You say, yeah, but what if they don't get saved? just because you don't see them get saved doesn't mean that they won't get saved one day not only that sometimes again with man's will when god when man says you know what i don't want it then sometimes we realize that there's sometimes a plan and there's a purpose otherwise but when we know the word of god and pray according to the word of god and the will of god we can pray expectingly and in that expectancy we can know you know what i'm okay if there's another way I'm okay if it's not right now. I'm okay if it's not this way. But I'm praying according to God's verse 8. Now I'm going to close. It says this, For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth. Him that knocketh it shall be open. Or what man is there of you who, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will give him a serpent? If you, as human beings, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask? In Colossians chapter 4, it tells us to be instant in prayer. It tells us to be constantly, steadfastly in prayer. To be sleepless and tireless with thanksgiving in our hearts. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 tells us that we're to be instant, be devoted, constant in prayer. And so this Christmas, I want us to remember how Mary interacted during this Christmas season. The very first Christmas. How, how it provides for us today a great framework of what our interaction with God should look like. That our lives should be submitted. Our lives should be bowed down before him. That we should have a pointed prayer life. We should be talking to God. We should be praying according to his will and his word. That our prayers should be full of praise regardless of our circumstances. And that it should be a pattern in our life, a persistent talking to God. Let's learn from Mary's prayer. Let's learn this Christmas what our prayers should look like.
Listen, there's one prayer that God desires from every single person. And that's a prayer of faith. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I just want to put this out there. What a great time to accept the free gift of salvation than at Christmas time. When we're remembering what God did 2,000 years ago in sending his son to die for our sins. And if you have never called on God's name for salvation, and what that means is not just saying words with your lips. It's not just praying some prayer that's a formula prayer. It's similar to what we see in Mary's life. It's a life bowed down, submitted to God, saying, I'm turning away from my control, I'm turning away my, the life of sin, and I'm turning to Almighty God, accepting the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for my sins, confessing Him as Lord over my life, believing Him with everything that I have. If you've never called on God like that for salvation, then let this Christmas be that much more special for you. Experience the gift that only God can give you. There's a lot of gifts that people can give each other, but God can give a gift that nobody else can give. And if you've never received that gift of eternal life, I encourage you to come this morning. We'll have a couple of men down here. We've got some ladies. If you're a lady, say, I'd like to talk to a lady. We've got some ladies. Just come down here during the invitation, and somebody will take you and show you in God's Word. It won't be weird. We won't embarrass you. None of those things. We just want to simply show you in God's Word how you can be saved, how you could leave this service today knowing that if you were to die, you would spend eternity in heaven with God. But it only comes through God. You can only get this salvation. You can only get this gift from Him. And so I, I pray that I'm going to pray, the musicians are going to play, and the invitation is going to begin. People are going to move to the altar, and if you've never prayed for salvation from God, I pray that you'll come down this morning and, and, and make that be today the day of salvation for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you for this example this morning of what prayer should look like, our prayers should look like. We look at Mary, and again, we know that she was a sinner saved by grace, but we very clearly know that she trusted you, Lord, and she had a relationship with you. She interacted with you, and those interactions teach us some valuable lessons, and I pray that we take these lessons with us this morning, Lord, that we would remember that we are to be talking to you, that, that when we are talking to you, we are to be focused, setting all things aside, setting all distractions aside, talking to you and praying according to your will. Lord, help us remember that our prayers should be full of praise, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how difficult things are. We should be praising you, if for nothing else, that we have the Son of God inside of us. And Lord, help us be persistent in our prayers. Lord, you, you want to have a relationship with us. That's why you came and died on, this, on the cross and, and rose again to, to have a, an, an interaction with us, a relationship with us, a daily walk. And so Lord, I pray that we would take the opportunity and, and actually be faithful in talking to you. Lord, just move this morning. And this invitation we'll praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen.